right, for those that are joining us maybe a little bit later on the live stream or down in Overflow, uh, my name is Rob, and we are here in the middle of our series in the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've entitled the series Chasing the Wind. And the reason why we entitled it that is because if you look at life without God, if we look at life just from this horizontal plane, it is like chasing the wind. It's pointless. We try hard. And we're always seeking after something that just can't be caught. And so while we've been looking at the book of Ecclesiastes, some of the biggest themes that we've encountered are the themes of what, what's the meaning of life. And, and lastly, we, we spoke about what problems there are with us seeking after earthly wisdom. And the main, the main tenet of the book of Ecclesiastes is for us to realize that life isn't just horizontal. Life has this vertical relationship with God. And so the, the author, the, the writer, who calls himself the, the preacher, he really wants us to see that life is empty when there is no vertical relationship. An empty life is all that is available to us when we look at life by itself. And so today we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and we want to talk about what it means to have an empty life. All right, quick question. It's a very, very spiritual question, okay? Who here likes hibachi? Raise your hand. Okay, let's put the hands down, you uncultured swine. Okay, who, who here doesn't know what hibachi is? Raise your hand. Okay, are you serious? Okay, all right, how do I explain manna from heaven? How do you, how do I put in words the, okay, so imagine, okay, now I got to give you the whole experience, okay? Stretch out here. Here's what, here's what it is, okay? So you walk into this Asian establishment, okay? And if you go to a good hibachi place, there's good lighting, there's some statues, usually made out of marble, and you walk to the front desk and they say, hello, may I help you? Pretty standard. And hopefully you have a reservation because if it's a good hibachi place, you're going to need a reservation. So let's just assume that I have a reservation. And I say, hi, my name is Rob. And we don't take the kids to hibachi because that's mad expensive. So it's just me and Becky. So we'll go too, right? And so they take us to this other room where there are these. So the only way I can describe it is an oversized blackstone, right? with a tiled counter around it, and you sit around the bar, bar height counter around this huge griddle blackstone-looking thingy, right? So if there's only two of you, you may have to wait a little bit because they want to fill up this counter, right? And so they do that. They fill up the counter, and then they go around, and they take your drink order, um, and then after that, they ask you what you want. And then so here's, here's the menu. The menu has usually rice and noodles, a little shrimp appetizer, chicken. You can get chicken, steak, scallops, shrimp, or you can be baller and get all of that, right? And then once that's done and once the table's filled up and everybody, they, they get this salad with this beautiful ginger dressing on it that's just right? And then after that, they bring you this miso soup that is just really, really good. And then this guy comes out. And this guy comes out with this, with this huge just cart. 
and he has rice in the cart and he has this big monstrosity of butter in the cart and he has all of these oils and he has all of these sauces and he comes with this special spatula and then he just starts doing these things where he starts throwing the spatulas in the air and all this and he's just like making a big deal out of everything and then like when it all gets started he cuts up this onion but he doesn't cut it up like a mere, a mere mortal would cut it up. He cuts it up into the shape of a volcano and then he puts this oil inside so that the griddle's hot and he puts it on there and you hear the sizzling and then he puts this oil in there and then he puts a little bit of flammable substance, maybe liquor, maybe not, depends if you know what your background is or I don't want to offend anybody, but whatever it is, he puts it in there and he puts this lighter and it lights up and this volcano just starts going and he moves it over and everybody goes, yay, hooray, you're the greatest man alive, right? And then he starts making the rice and this rice is not gonna be just any old rice, it's gonna be hibachi rice. And so there's soy sauce in there, there's too much butter in there, there's all these things. And then and he just puts these, puts, he puts, he fries these eggs, he puts the eggs in there and then he just mixes it all up. Oh, and then he puts, the, puts it on your plate and you just start eating. But it's not, it's not done yet, it's not done yet. He starts making this, this, these meats and he starts cooking all these meats. And, and then if, you're, you know, if, you, if you were baller, you see all of your meat over there and then everybody else who's gonna live past 50, all their food's over here. And, like they have, and so he, he cooks up the shrimp and you get your shrimp appetizer. And then he starts asking everybody if they had steak, is, do you want him, how do you want it cooked and all that. And he just cooks and he divvies out all the food. He gives you these dipping sauces and you just have the greatest time of your life. I mean, it is, if you've never been to hibachi, I will take you because I think for those of you that raised your hand and said they didn't know what hibachi was, we have to go like pronto, okay? Because you have not lived yet until you've had hibachi, right? So at the end of the meal, I mean, you're stuffed. I mean, you're full. Obviously, if they ask for dessert, you're going to take it, but you're still stuffed. You're still full. And imagine, I want you to imagine this, after this incredible meal, and if you don't like Chinese food or like any kind of Asian food and you've already tuned me out, just picture your favorite like meal, okay? And imagine at the, your favorite restaurant or if you don't go out to eat, at whatever, whatever is your favorite thing, imagine your plate being completely emptied and you're eating with people. And if you're antisocial, imagine you're eating with people, right? And then all of a sudden you look over and you go, man, wasn't that the greatest thing ever? And the person next to you goes, eh. What would that do to you? How would you feel? Like after, I mean, after what I've just explained to you and what you've just, just imagined, just in your imagination encountered the, the, the wonderful taste of that food. And then, you know, I mean, just the experience alone. And then you go, man, wasn't that awesome? And the person next to you just goes, eh. That would, that would shock you and it would rock you and it would make you think, what in the world? And I'm here to tell you, without Jesus, all of our life is just, eh. It doesn't matter how great the meals you're eating. It doesn't matter how much experience you think you have. Without Jesus, your life is empty. And there's nothing that's ever going to satisfy you. Our life is like Mick Jagger singing, I can't get no satisfaction. And what does he say? And I try, and I try, and I try, and I try. I can't, okay, forget it. All right, but like, but, but you, under, you understand, right? You, I, 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 if you have Jesus, you remember what it was when you didn't have Jesus, right? 
and now and and empty and insignificant everything that you did was. But you did try, and you did try, and you did try, and nothing satisfies. That's exactly what life is like horizontally. And I want us, just for a few minutes, we won't be long today, a few minutes of what it means if we took Jesus out of the equation and still tried to pursue everything that we wanted to in life. And my goal is this. My goal is if you're here and you still don't know Jesus, that you would understand, that you would identify with this emptiness and your pursuits and realize that it's going to continue on this path. And, and I pray, I pray that God calls you to himself today and you would receive Jesus. But if you're here and you know Jesus and your life still, still feels empty, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit tells you where you've gone off course. Because for a believer, none of our lives should be empty. We have gone from death to life as believers. We have gone from darkness to light. So what that means is, in every, even in our everyday pursuits, even in the jobs that we don't like, or the families that we sometimes wish we didn't have, there is purpose and meaning and a responsibility because our life our eternal life, forgiveness of sins, has been paid for. You know, Jesus said something when he was on earth, and it's a, it's a really powerful statement, and sometimes I think we just, we, we think about it in such a flippant way. Jesus says that he came not only to give us life, but to give us the abundant life, right? And sometimes I think we take that Rather just, you know, um, like, 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 like an airy, like balloony type of thing. Like, oh, we have a fun life because we know Jesus and then we get to sing hymns. And No, Jesus is talking about life on a higher plane. He's talking about a fulfilled life. He's talking about a life with peace and comfort, but also a life that is chock full of purpose. So the question is, is our life empty? Is our life full? Or maybe it's somewhere in the middle. But I hope that God speaks to us today about what it means to have a full life instead of an empty life. All right, so let's turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And if we could all stand in respect for the reading of God's word, we're going to read the first eight verses and then we're going to go to chapter 6 real quick. What version is Haven reading from this morning? going to go her. Everybody look at Haven real quick. No, don't. Hey, Haven. All right. All right, let me get back on track. All right. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. We're going to go down to verse 8, and then we're going to go over to chapter 6. All right? Here's what, remember, the preacher, he's writing, and remember the theme, everything is pointless, everything makes no sense, everything is just blah without Jesus. All right? So here, so I want you to remember, this is without Jesus. Okay? I said to myself, go ahead. I will test with you, what does he say? Pleasure. Enjoy what is good. 
And it turned out to be futile. I said, I said about laughter, it's madness. And about pleasure, what does this accomplish? I explored with my mind the pull of wine on my body, my mind still guiding me with wisdom and how to grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. Then he says this, I increased my what? Achievements. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself. I planted every kind of fruit tree in them. I constructed reservoirs for myself from which to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. I acquired male and female servants and had slaves who were born in my house. I owned livestock, herds, and flocks more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. I also amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I gathered male and female singers for myself, and many concubines, the delights of men. Now let's go to chapter 6. And we're going to read verse 9. Better what the eyes see than wandering desire. This too is, this too is futile and pursuit of the wind. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks for standing. You can be seated. So what we know about the preacher, the guy that wrote this, many people believe that it was Solomon. But what we do know is that he, he looked at the world in depth. This wasn't just some sort of quick emotional response to a bad day, right? He took time. He observed what life is, what life is like. And then not only did he just talk about it in, in this emotional state, he gave us examples of different parts of life. And in these different parts of life, he tells us, hey, I looked at this, right? He listed for us. I looked at this, I looked at this, I looked at this, I experienced this, I went to this. And notice how he's not just giving us a helicopter view. I saw other people doing this. What does he also say sometimes? He says that I've experienced watching other people, but also I've done what? I have experienced it myself and I found it nothing. And so now the argument is being made, like, okay, forget, forget work. Forget stuff that, that seems important. Forget things that, that we may consider godly. Let's just talk about having fun. Let's just talk about having a good time. And let's see what that's like. And, you know, you got to think about it. Maybe, maybe that's part of our problem. Maybe that's part of the reason why sometimes we think that life, the, the, the Christian life isn't abundant. It seems to be boring and mundane because maybe we were pretty much born into this life. Maybe a lot of us went to church our whole life and it just seems like it's every day this, the same thing and we still come to church today because mom and dad just instilled that in us and that's just the way it is. And I'm here to tell you, if you just gather with God's people because that's the way it is, you are living an empty life. Being a believer is not a way of life. Being a believer has a vertical relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's not a cultural thing to be a Christian, although I feel some of us may be cultural Christians. 
and we really haven't encountered the fact that you and I have thought things, said things, and done things that have displeased God, and we are separated from God. And the reason why we may not feel that separate, although there's this emptiness inside of us, is because we may be moral people. We may be church-going folk who are moral, but we still don't understand why there's this emptiness inside of us. And it's because we have lived a certain way, and we've always lived that way, so what really changes? So the preacher puts that in mind as he writes this, and he says, okay, let's talk about living our life outside of Christ uh, cultural Christianity. Let's just have some fun. Let's just do things the way that we'd want to do it. Some of the things are going to be good, some of them are going to be bad, but it's going to be just living our life, you know, for fun, for kicks. And what happens with that? So verse 1, he says, I said to myself, go ahead, I will test you with what? What does he say? Pleasure. <coughs> and pleasure is a very subjective word, is it not? Because it depends on what you like. And so if I want you to put in this, in this space what it means what you would consider pleasurable, what you, what you would enjoy, what you consider good. And he says at the end of verse 1, what happens at the end? It turned out to be what? Futile. Pointless. Empty. Why? Why would pleasure, why would it be something that, that seems to give us joy? Why would it be considered empty? Do you guys remember the story of the Grinch that stole Christmas? You guys remember that story? Not only is this story, I mean, it's been made like, what, into two movies at this point now, right? There was three? Thanks. That's, that's our millennial on staff. Thanks, buddy. What's the three? What's the third? There's Benedict Cumberbatch. There's Jim Carrey. And there's, oh, and there's the original. That's what I'm, good job. Everybody give it up for Dustin. That's why he's here. He's our fact, he's our fact checker. He's our fact checker on Dr. Seuss. Okay. So, all right. So, like. All right, so three at this point, right? If so, we must know the story at this point. What's the name of the town they live in? Whoville, right? And so the Grinch steals everything that every family has about that has to do with Christmas. And at the end, where are all the gifts? Spoiler alert, where are they? He has them. What does he say to them? Gifts, 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 gifts. Everything's about gifts. It's only about gifts. Why? This point of the story is that sometimes these material things are just pointless, but it's the, it's, it's the background of what the gifts are that people give to other people. It's not the material stuff. It's the action of having relationships with people. The Grinch didn't see that, and we find out about his past. It's funny because his past changed depending on who wrote the scream. Never mind. But, like, it's, you know, it's just not the whole point is that it's not just about the gifts, right? Because just getting material things... I mean, it sounds really cliche and very churchy, but you know this. Just having stuff is empty, right? How many of you, how many of you saved up to buy something big and then in about a week and a half, it's like, why did I spend money on this, right? It happens to me every year. I'm getting better at it, but it happens to me every year when the new iPhone comes out. Every year. Number one, I think about two months before the iPhone comes out, they, they just deploy 
all these different glitches so that you don't get happy with your phone. You want a new phone. Siri just starts like saying things the wrong way in your voice to text. It just happens to go a little bit slower. And then Tim Cook gets up and go, behold, the new iPhone. Yes, it looks exactly the same. It's the same size. Yes, we have changed the camera. I promise you it. And of course, there's a new chip in there. Open it up. No, you can't. Just trust us. There's a new microchip. And you will pay $1,000 for this phone. Come one, come all. And then in two minutes, it's sold out, right? But if you were lucky enough to get it, you thought you had the best phone in the world. What happens week two? Your rent's due, right? There's no food in the refrigerator, but you got that iPhone, right? Exactly. Because we, we pursue things that wind up being futile in the end. And that's what the author says, that everything we have by itself is empty. Now, flip that and realize what the Bible says. The truth is, every good gift is from where? Above. And God gives us things that we need, and sometimes he gives us things that we want. But when we recognize who has provided for us, this is different. And as we grow in our faith, and I'm still learning this as well, and I know, I know a lot of you are, are too, when you start relying in the one who provides for you, your Jehovah Jireh, when you start just realizing that he's the one that gives you what you need, you start, you start to slow down in buying the things that are, that are frivolous because you recognize the one who provides for you. And you realize that everything you have, he's given you. And then all of a sudden, as you grow in your faith, what do you start doing? You start being a little bit more uh, just cautious on what you purchase because you know your father gave it to you. And the things that you start to own start being more valuable because you recognize where it truly comes from. That's the difference between a horizontal view and adding the vertical view. That not only do you realize provision, but that you start to become mature because you recognize your provider. Last night, we had our, our prayer and praise night. First one we've ever done. And, uh, you know, God, God I, I believe, not only showed up, he moved in a mighty way. And we had people who, uh, who were prayed over. We had a time of uh, just adoration and confession and thanksgiving. And, and, uh, and, I, and I remember we were, we were uh, spending some time just kind of shouting out just uh, things that God has done for us and things that we're thankful for. And over and over, one, one just kept coming up, and that was provision that God has provided. And, man, I thought that, that was just great that in a room, a room full of people, people that I know are going through some health issues, the first thing that they, that they wanted to, to point out is that God still provides in the middle of trials. So provision is a big thing. So when we talk about pleasure, when we talk about things that, that, that we like, is that what the pursuit of our life is? Is it just going over the things that we like or do we talk about what it means to really follow after. Okay, so fine. Let's get away from things for a second. I want us to keep looking. Let's look at verse two. Uh, I said about laughter, it's madness. 
And what about pleasure? What does this accomplish? So now he goes from, hey, physical pleasure to just laughing, things that just make us laugh, things that give us a good emotional response. He goes, it's also empty. So here's what he says. With, without God, why, why do we laugh? What's the point? What's the point of us being happy? What's the point of us of having a moment of, of, of just emotional release of joy? It's pointless. What does it accomplish? And we know the Bible says laughter is the best medicine. We know the fact that Jesus has, has come to give us a, a, a joyful experience in life. But without God, even our happiness is empty. And I want you to think about it this way for a second. Without God, there's no meaning to life. So what are we laughing about? Right? What's the point of laughing? There's nothing beyond here, so who cares? He says this, and so he goes from pleasure, he goes from laughing. Look at verse 3. I explored with my mind the pull of wine on my body. My mind still guiding me with wisdom and how I grasp folly until I could see what is good for people to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. So this dude started to get drunk, right? But here's how he said it. Yo, I still had my faculties about me, and as I sipped my, my, my wine, I wanted to just kind of see if that did anything for me. We call this what today? Experimenting, right? He was like, hey, let me, let me see what other outside substances can do. Let me, let me see if I can alter my behavior and alter my, my, my emotions by letting something else take over. But not, not a lot, not a lot. Just enough for me to see if it means anything. And he goes, nah, nothing. Some of us even try to do this. Some of us try to numb the pain with substances, some of us try to experience, it, experience a higher plane of something by either getting drunk or getting high and thinking that it's going to do something for us. And then you, you even have people who say, man, I just work better when, when I smoke weed. Everything is, because, you know, it's legal in a lot of areas. So I just think, you know, we should just allow things like that and allow mushrooms and all this stuff because it makes everything better. And this guy goes, no, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. It does nothing for you. Because the only thing that should alter our behavior is the Holy Spirit. And the only way we have the Holy Spirit is a relationship with God. Again, a vertical type of relationship. We shouldn't be relying in substances in order for us to have a more fulfilled life. The only fulfilled life comes when we have a relationship with Jesus. Verse 4, I increase my achievements. Okay, so now he's going to talk about success. Now, this is important because there's nothing wrong with being successful, okay? But I want you to view success outside of having God as your provider, okay? Here's what it says. I increase my achievements. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. I, plant, I made gardens, the parks for myself, and planted every kind of fruit tree. I constructed reservoirs for myself to irrigate a grove of flourishing trees. And then he says that he starts to, inquire, to acquire a staff, male and female servants. He he had slaves that were born into his house. So he had, you know, staff and then another generation of staff. He had more livestock. He had more herds and flocks. He had all these things more than anybody else in Jerusalem. He had money, silver, gold, than, more than all the treasures of kings and provinces. He had all of these things. He had male and female singers. He had entertainment. He had all of these things, yet he calls it empty. And then in verse 9 of chapter 6, he says that it is the pursuit of the wind. So what, what, what is the, what's the deal with today? Why do we do what we do? 
That's the question about this life, whether it's full or whether it's empty. Why do we do what we do? Why do we seek after pleasure? Why do we seek after success? Why do we seek after having our mind or our mood altered? Why do we seek after having more than everybody else? What is the point of us doing all of these things? And I want to challenge you with this. I would say the answer for me, and it may be the answer for a lot of us, without God, the reason why I do any of these things is for me to feel better and to fill a hole that's there. I, I, I want to I wanna have people praise me. I want to have people, you know, uh, follow after me because of all the stuff that I have. And within myself, I want to have things that make me feel good, that things that make me feel better than, than who I am. Why would I want my mood altered? Because I don't like my mood. I don't like who I am. And I want to be somebody different. And I want to have what other people have. And I want everybody to look at me because it's all about me, 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 me. And that's what my life is without Jesus. And if we're honest, I think a lot of us would say that's also my life. But when we add God into the equation, what we find out is it shouldn't be about us because the way we live our lives leads us straight to hell. We can have all the substances, all the money, all the things, but when it's, when it's all said and done, our sinful nature, our character defects, who we are at the core, leads us to an eternity separated from God. And so because of this vertical relationship that we can have with God through Jesus Christ, you and I not only will have a full life, but we can also have eternal life instead of eternal separation from God, which is way worse than empty, it's damnation and total separation from God. So it's more about being empty or full. It's about being safe and secure or being at a loss.